Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. And this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid, but also unpaid traffic, Qasem Aslam, which is what we're going to be talking about here today. Today, we're going to be breaking every rule in the conversion agency playbook i would like to literally no rules left behind yeah we're just taking the book like it's a big book it's like one of those heavy dictionaries or like the kind that i think i bought my dad like 20 years ago because he like likes to learn a word every single day the thing was like six inches thick it literally was like 50 pounds i'm taking that book and i'm just throwing it out the window today because we are just breaking all kinds of norms and mores in the uh, in the conversion space so pretty excited about today's show how you doing anyway i'm living the dream ralph how you doing yeah that seems to be a common theme i think i need to live nearer to you because last week it was like negative eight degrees here and uh, being that cold is not all that much fun and out there in arizona it's what 60 degrees in fairness i did have to wear a light jacket the other day so Mm. we have our suffering oh it's tough i know yeah this chafing when you put a jacket on You almost had to zip it? I did. Wow. Like halfway or three quarters of the way up? It was dire. I never actually zipped, but I just mean like the thought entered my mind, like at some point. Right. Yeah. When you got to go three quarters, that's chilly. Right. It's hard for you to handle. Yeah. Here we were putting like scarves on our faces and like we have a place up in Boston. I literally went out for a walk and I was the only person on the streets. The streets of Boston was just me just because I love being that cold, but it was like negative 20 wind chill. It was crazy. So yeah, so maybe we'll just get a summer place out near you next year. Long-term plans. Dude, we so. could have an in-person podcast studio. We, we could actually do a podcast together. That would Joe be Rogan so style. much fun. Yep. That would be so much fun. I know. The things you can do with virtual traffic. All right. People are probably saying enough with the get banter. With yeah. Enough of the banter, Cosm and Ralph. Stop talking about stupid crap. Speaking of stupid crap that actually helps you, I've got a nugget. Uh, for I love this nuggets. week. This is not like a super in-depth nugget, so I'm underselling it a bit. This is just an observation from one of our crack media buyers over at Tier 11, because that's where I get my best ideas. I just steal them from our team. As to you. But I'm going to give him a proper shout out. Cameron Campbell. He's been with us for quite some time. Just seriously great media buyer. Been on some of our more challenging accounts. He noticed something. This is in and around like the December, January timeframe that how you see on organic posts, like those posts that have just the color in the background and then like white writing, asking some kind of question. Yeah. I see those all the time, like my Facebook feed and like on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Perry Belcher does a lot of that. 
a lot. He follows Perry on Facebook. That's like most of his social strategy are those posts. That's funny. He was the one that I was thinking because I see them all the time. And the reason why he uses them all the time is one, he's a brilliant marketer. Second, they probably work to get a level of engagement. Dude, his engagement is insane. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's crazy. It's like, I have to stop myself from answering. Like, I can answer that question. And it's like a really easy kind of question. And he usually responds back and it's good. What we noticed, and Cameron noticed this specifically, is that uh, lots of organic posts on Facebook use this sort of text post feature where it's really, it's like bold text on one of Facebook's pre-designed color backgrounds. Perry is not creating the color background. You can do this super easy inside of Facebook. You see this a lot inside like Facebook groups. And so what we've started to do is for some of our conversion campaigns, which we're going to be talking about today is the antithesis of really what we're talking about today for our conversion campaigns is asking a question in those conversion ads using the same type of methodology, typically with some kind of provocative question. Now, for example, we've got a longtime customer that in essence helps kids get into a certain level of college. And for them, it's usually it's medical students. And then they have a couple of different businesses, but in essence, like helps medical students get into either medical school or undergrad. So for example, like a great sort of top of funnel kind of ad would be something that talks about GPAs or parents with high achieving kids, or if your kid qualifies for a certain level of grant, that kind of thing. So instead of having images in either videos, which have worked really well for this customer, start asking questions like, do you have a high school student? Question mark, 3.5 GPA or higher? Something like that. Some sort of provocative kind of question that pulls them in and it engages at that very top of funnel. Like some of these ads are conversion ads, but my guess is just because of the nature of this type of ad and the types of stuff that you see in the Facebook newsfeed, it's going to get a lot of organic shares. It's going to get a lot of sort of organic ride before you actually put any sort of paid media behind it. So just using that unto itself, like if you're running out of ideas for your ads, use that feature inside Facebook and see what kind of play that you get, because it's definitely a trend that we're seeing and it's really good for top of funnel. You know what bugs me about that nugget, man? This is a lot of things, a lot of the smartest stuff that you hear. I knew that and I stopped doing it and I don't know why I stopped. Like I, every time I use one of those, I get more engagement than I ever get. And for some reason, you know how like when something's so simple and works so well, you just stop using it just because right. it's too easy. So I need my life to be harder. I'm going to move on to something more difficult. Yeah, exactly. That's like a great this, one. And I think just in general, if you have been running advertising or you're a director of marketing and you've got a team, go back to the stuff that worked six to right. 12 months ago. It's such a stupidly simple idea. It's like we had this highly converting ad type that we used on one of our larger customer accounts for a year. And then it just, it ran its course. And it's called the transformational story video ad. And we've talked about it here on the show, but, and then it just stopped working, which is fine. This happens. So it's been about six to 12 months since we used it. Go back and start using it again. Everything's changed. Like people forgotten about it. You can use it in the same audiences. So it's the same concept. Just because something works doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep using it. Or maybe if it did work, like the transformational video story ad, it is something that you should bring back. It's Mm. like, you know, bell bottoms are in, bell bottoms are out, bell bottoms are back in kind of thing. Like 
you can bring back the bell bottom ad, right. even though it hasn't gone through the entire fashion cycle, why not just repurpose it for today's purposes? And I think just in general, if you find something that does work, continue using it, even if it's super simple, just like these types of image ads with the white lettering. So it's uh, once again, it's Facebook's pre-designed color backgrounds. You see them right inside ads manager is super easy to create and then just take your most provocative headline your best working headline or something with a question and put that in was like white text with a colored background and boom you're going to see conversions hashtag nugget hashtag nugget so today we're going to be talking about the opposite of conversion ads Kasim, are you ready for this? Dude, I think I'm going to get some hate mail for this one. It's good. I think we need to shake things up every now and then. I think this is something that uh, you and I both inherently know, but as agency owners, we're a little bit reluctant to talk about just because it goes against what we're doing. (laughs) Like we run a lot of conversion ads. So we are going to be talking about that right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. We're going to be not talking about conversion ads here today, which is one of the mainstays of everything that we do. I mean, just as a percentage, I'm just curious, if you looked at your entire ad spend in Solutions 8, what percentage of those would be being run for customers that are specifically for a conversion? Now, that could be retargeting too, but high level like cold traffic plus all your retargeting stuff like how much of a percentage just like ballpark if you had to guess like how much of your spend is for conversion ads or Um, conversion objective i don't have to guess i'll tell you right now exactly as a matter of fact let me share my screen so you can keep me honest ralph so if you're listening what we're looking at right now is my google ads dashboard i'm not gerrymandering my dates i just go into google and say last 30 days which is the last 30 days 
And I'm going to take, what do we have now? We have five campaigns running. We have a brand campaign, a DSA campaign with very little spend attributed to it, incidentally, a remarketing display campaign, a remarketing YouTube campaign, and a proactive YouTube campaign. Now, that's a lot of gobbledygook if you're listening and not looking, but I just want to describe those for those that really want to follow along. We spent in the last 30 days, $158,000. $470 of that was in our brand campaign. 2,300 of that was in our DSA campaign, which we actually have recently turned off. 758 was in our display remarketing and 900 was in our YouTube remarketing. So what is that? Roughly three, four, $4,500. $4,500 to conversion ads. And really when we say conversion ads in this particular instance, all of those are effectively remarketing campaigns, maybe with the exception mm. of DSA. $153,000 of my hundred and $58,000 ad spend in the last 30 days went to top of funnel YouTube. Here's where it gets worse. Okay. This is why I say we're breaking all the rules. This is the dumbest thing a human could do on paper. I spent $153,000 on YouTube and I've been doing this for months and months and months, by the way, I'll zoom out Ralph on my date range so you can see this. Mm -hmm. And Google has been able to track in the last 30 days tells me I've only gotten 25 conversions over a 30 day span and $150,000 for a total cost per lead of $6,100, which is, this is the worst campaign in the world. I should turn it off and then shoot myself as a marketer. I failed miserably. I don't know what you're doing. I know. Yeah. I need a job at Jimmy John's. Here's what's crazy. <laughs> We're genning up right now, on average, 10 to 12 quality leads a day. 10 to 12 quality leads a day. And when I turn this YouTube proactive campaign off, those leads stop. But Google can't track them. What we have is a massive attribution problem. And this attribution problem is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Now, I used to spend all my money inside of Google ads at the extreme bottom of the funnel. So if you went and searched for Google ads agency near me, PPC agency, et cetera, I was going after exact match search. I wanted to be on the top half of the first page. We're talking hundreds of dollars a click because it was so competitive. And it was my business partner that identified this new strategy of all of our highest quality prospects come from YouTube anyway. We've educated them. We've managed expectations. They actually know what's going on. Let's just go pay people to learn. So for months, we've been spending $150,000 a month inside of YouTube. And here's the craziest part, Ralph. This is where the rules get even more broken. If you think I'm stupid at this point, it gets dumber. We don't run ads. We run paid traffic to our tutorial videos. And they're not like well-produced videos. Go to my YouTube channel, watch any video. Like the production value is literal zero. It's just me and John in front of our cameras teaching people how to do stuff. And some of these ads, by the way, like our highest performing ad right now, it has 96,000 views at the moment. It's called the secret to Google ad success, mastering media efficiency ratio. Mer. So it, it talks about why we need to use media efficiency ratio instead of OAS or TCPA. It's 58 minutes long. I run traffic I've run tens of thousands of dollars worth of traffic to an hour long video. My ad is an hour long. And you've heard all the rules, right? Like your ad should be 30 to 60 seconds, no more than 90 seconds, unless you're gonna, all that horse shit, I'm just throwing it out the window. We're running, we're spending $150,000 running paid traffic to sometimes hours long videos to people so they can learn Google ads. And I am crushing life from a lead generation standpoint. We have a two week waiting list. I can't bring clients on fast enough. I can't track the conversions, period, full stop. And we have phenomenal conversion tracking, by the way. My CTO might be, he just built 
the conversion tracking for one of the largest agencies in the world. He taught the guys over at Go High Level, who I think would give me a testimonial video at this point, how to build out conversion tracking for Google Ads. I know my tracking's in place. I know it's rock solid. Google can't see or refuses to share the data for various reasons. So we've got $160,000 being spent in proactive top of funnel ad spend to non-ads. And it's the most effective marketing I've ever done in my entire life. And I'll get ultra bullish here and then I'll shut my mouth. I think this works for anybody, regardless mm -hmm. of your industry, regardless of your offering, product, service, whatever, e-com, lead generation. It works for anybody who has a product or a service that requires education. So if you're selling emergency mm -hmm. plumbing, this isn't for you, obviously. Right. But if you're selling right. anything where you have an educated prospect that needs to learn just a little bit more before they buy, you go market in a silo. And instead of throwing yourself in the Coliseum against all your competitors and hoping you come out alive, you build an assembly line of customers. It takes time. It takes, for, depending on your sales cycle, a couple of months to juice people up and, you know, earn their trust. But once you've done that, if people watched a few hours of your content, they've seen your face, they've heard your voice. They're aware of your brand. You've given them epic amounts of value. We hold nothing back. We teach them just like really amazing things. And then they finally go, all right, you clearly know what you're doing. You do this. Never have pricing discussions ever. Everybody's full retail, Ralph. I don't discount and I'm expensive. I don't have to. They know we're the best because I've spent hours showing them, hey, this is why it's hard. And this is why paying an expensive agency is way cheaper than paying a cheap agency or you trying to do it yourself because I've been able to establish how much actually goes into all of this stuff. And I think everybody can do this exact thing if they wanna be, you gotta be pretty confident in the quality of your content. But if you are, I think, to be honest with you, the future of marketing is education and community building. You're educating people and you're building a community and it puts you in a position to market in a silo. We stumbled on this conversation, I think because I hate the term anathema, but it's the only term I can think of. My father used to say that term all the time. They're like, what the hell is he talking about? It's anathema to our business model, which basically means it runs counter to our business model because mm -hmm. we rely on conversion ads as agencies, right? And everyone's, oh, what's the latest tip and trick? And well, you know, if you really talk about like the five levels of awareness and Eugene Schwartz and blah, 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 and ultimately they'll convert, but really nobody really wants to admit that. What they want to do is they want to spend $1,000 on a conversion ad and make $3,000. The reason I say $3,000 is because every freaking client wants a 3X ROAS. Ridiculous. Because sometimes it's just never going to happen, especially if you have an unproven offer that sucks and nobody in the world wants it. Right. If you do have an offer that actually is pretty good, 3X is potential. However, you are going to, at some point in time, saturate your market because those are all people that are, in essence, in market for your product at that particular moment in time. The more efficient a market gets, the lower the ROAS. Correct. And you're going to be paying a premium for that in CPMs. So mm -hmm. if I look at the tier 11 ad account, which is just, we don't spend what you guys spend, but we do spend a fair amount. We spend anywhere between thirty dollars to $50,000 a month. Now, most of that is on conversion ads. Our spend is a little bit less now because we're starting to wise up to this. But we talked to my team about this past week. I'm like, guys, my awesome VP of marketing, Tom, figured this out. He went back in. He's like, all right, we have spent X amount of dollars. That's a couple hundred thousand last year 
on conversion ads on Google and Facebook primarily. And we got exactly four clients. Whoa. Four. Now, did some of those ads have something to do with the ultimate goal of acquiring a customer for us? Of course they did. But when we really look back and do our analytics, like most of the business that we got are from tier 11 referrals or from somewhere else. Hmm. And it might be from this podcast. It might be from a lot of different sources. But the point is, one of the things that we really started to ramp up in the latter half of last year is very top of funnel, highly educational, non-conversion, no CTA, with very few exceptions, content. And we started to realize that that one people started to consume all of those pieces or when we couldn't figure out where they came from, it was usually because of that. And there was a correlative increase in quality leads for us with the amount of content that we actually produce. And I think Alex Hormozzi, who I met at Traffic and Convergence Summit, talked about this. I think when I actually met him, I was like, that's right. Like the more we do on top of funnel, just absolute educational content, the better we're going to do. It's exponential. Right. If I double it, I double my leads. If I triple it, I triple my leads. Do I know exactly where they're coming from? No. But I know there's a correlative end result that happens as a result of that. Now, what you're doing is you're forcing it a bit with the top of funnel ad spend for that content. And the content in these cases, like it it's insane when you think about it. this exactly the opposite of what every marketer, what every meta partner manager will probably tell you or Google person will ever tell you is that you cannot do an hour top of funnel video. You cannot with do no a call half hour with no call to action. And one of our earliest customers way back in the guitar niche, I remember we started to do 30 minute videos of just this, but we used the conversion objective and the CPMs back then were like five to $10. Now for a conversion objective, you're looking at 40, 50, $60 CPMs. So it's very different, but we built that entire business around highly educational top of funnel content. And then with a very subtle, if not any call to action at the end of it, and built that business into multi-million dollar business. And now what's happened is everyone is flooding into their lookalike audiences and their targeting and all these other sorts of things for conversion objective. And the CPMs are so freaking high. Like in the tier 11 account, it's $60 CPM for cold traffic, lookalike audiences, target, like our specific targeting. But then if we go into our top of funnel, just boosting content, the CPM is $5, $4. Mm. We're getting eyeballs on our videos at the very, very top of the funnel, which is exactly what we're doing. And the reason why I think people need to consume high value content, if you do have a product that needs education, I think that is, you're absolutely right. It, this is not but I want to fight. I want to fight on that note just briefly and not fight you. I want to fight the person who says, oh, my product or service doesn't need education. I think most of them do, and you just know more than your customers know, and you don't realize how much education it really needs, even the simplest purchases. Dude, if you're selling bubble gum, is it sugar-free gum or not? And why is sugar-free gum important? Or why mm. is it not important? Why is sugar actually better than xylitol or whatever the hell you put into it? Mm -hmm. And are they little cubes, little balls? Are they the sticks? Are they the wrappers? How are they produced? Is mm -hmm. this recyclable? 
Where did the plastic come from? What's the quantity? What's the cost per stick? How long does the flavor last? What flavor is it? What flavor is more applicable? How do I do relationship building using gum specifically? If I'm in a networking event, what's really important about gum? What's gum etiquette? You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be obnoxious here. I think you could take almost any product or service and turn it into an education play to where you become an authority and a thought leader. And after I said all that, dude, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, crap, I need to go get some gum. If you watch somebody who hit YouTube and did the right thing and they're putting in front of networking events and masterminds and business leaders and business development people and whatever, MLMs and network marketers, you could turn gum into a thing mm -hmm. and build a community around that. And if I can do that with gum and you can't do that with your business, you're just not thinking hard enough. I, I think that the example that we used, and I think we used it before we hit record, was like a, an iPhone case. Hmm. Okay, everybody sells an iPhone case out there, but do they? If you have an iPhone case that is slightly different, has a unique mechanism, is slightly different in one way, shape, or form, maybe it's made from silicone as opposed to plastic. Maybe it has right. the grippy things on the back. Maybe it has the little pop-out thingy on the side. Maybe you have some new feature that nobody else has. If you have that feature, that unique mechanism that no one else has, immediately snapping my fingers, even though they're not really snapping, you should be doing high-level educational content. Because even if it is a feature that produces a benefit that no one else is touting, you should probably be touting it. Mm -hmm. Great example is Schlitz Beer took over the beer market in the 60s and 70s. This is the best be example ever. Because they had beer that was in brown bottles. Well, a lot of people had beer that was in brown bottles, right? But they actually said, our beer is fresher because it's in brown bottles. As a result of that, your beer will be more fresh. Now, I think Budweiser and a bunch of other beers, like there were a lot of beers there that are no longer in existence. The point is they found something, it was a differentiator that everyone else had. Right. Nobody else talked about it in that way. They educated the market. They educated the market. And they did it not with conversion ads, Kasim. They did it with radio advertising, with TV ads, with like old school, like newspaper ads, like ads in Newsweek and the New York Times and all that sort of stuff or wherever their demographic is. Now they would be advertising on ESPN and all the, the OT channels plus Facebook and Google is my guess for that differentiator. But the point is like they overtook that market because of something that everyone else had, but they just made it in their marketing an educational piece that was a hook that ultimately created a, a brand which dominated at that point. There was I, So the example I thought you were going to go with is one that I heard about a beer company. I hadn't heard the Schlitz thing. I heard another one, and it's probably in one of those old school books, where a beer company took the method of, I don't know if it's distillation or fermentation or whatever, but all beer is fermented this way. Like You can't have beer without this fermentation. But what they just did is just described it. They're like, oh, our beer is fermented this way, like with yeah. specific hops. And then everybody's, oh, then I must drink that beer. And everybody who actually knew got pissy. They're like, every beer is fermented that way. Mm -hmm. But all they did was just describe the process to a greater degree and then make it a value proposition. Right. So I think that everybody can and should do this. And here's the issue, Ralph. And this is actually a really big issue, by the way. There's a barrier to entry here along two levels of analysis. The x-axis barrier for me is the amount of content you have to create to do this. It's not insurmountable, but it is a lot. 
because you don't know which one of those value propositions is actually going to hit. We didn't know that marketing efficiency ratio was going to be the video that resonated with people. So we create a video every single day. That's a little daunting for business owners. And you probably don't need that. I think if I'm going to shoot from the hip, I think you need 10 high value pieces of content to test this. But 10 is still a lot. So the content x-axis, barrier number one, y-axis, just to make this two-dimensional, is the spend. Top of funnel, you know, if you look at a funnel, it's broadest at the top. You have to spend more. Now, you don't have to spend $158,000 a month. You don't. But you have to spend more than you would generally spend on a bottom of the funnel campaign, on a conversion campaign, because you're paying people to learn. You're paying more people than you would necessarily go after at the bottom of the funnel, and it takes longer. So there's more people, more time, more money. And that's why this scares people off. But when it works, oh my goodness, like not only is my cost per lead way cheaper than it would have been if I were just going for conversion ads standalone to the tune of about a third, by the way, I'm paying roughly four to $500 a lead. I used to pay $1,500 a lead. The leads are more qualified. They're more likely to sometimes by two to three X. So I think this strategy is very bold. It's a hard sell. So difficult, in fact, I'd never, ever try to sell this to a brand new client. Somebody would either have to hear this episode and come to me and say, hey, I want to try that. Or I'd have to have an existing client that I could say, hey, do you want to try to make this more efficient? Let me show you how. And I'm not saying we get rid of conversion ads, bottom of the funnel, any of those things. There's still a huge place for them. But this should be a part of your media mix and maybe a big part too, depending on where you are in your ecosystem. I think it's a bold call because most people are going to start with it and then just put me back on conversion ads. Mm-hmm. Now we had a meeting at Meta and I should give Meta and the partner manager group like a huge props for this because I threw them, threw the baby out with the bathwater. And the fact that Meta does actually talk about this. Like we did two annual reviews for two of our largest customers and they were very emphatic in the fact that you guys are spending way too much on conversion ads. Hmm. You're spending so much money on those areas where it's highly competitive and your market is limited. And these are people that are in market for your potential product in market, basically meaning that they are solution aware and they're looking for a solution for their particular problem. They're not maybe unaware, just problem aware. Well, if like if we're going to use Eugene Schwartz levels of awareness, the point is they are not necessarily looking for your stuff yet. You need right. to give them a compelling reason to become in market. And when we did the analysis for a, a lot of these individual customers, what we found is that they showed very compelling data that indicated that we were in fact spending far too much on conversion ads to the tune of, I actually have the actual data here. We're spending 98% of our money on conversion ads, whereas the rest of the market, their direct competitors, this is somebody who spends hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and highly successful is direct competitors to them. We're spending anywhere from 50 to 60% of their spend on consideration and awareness ads, which were not conversion ads, meaning Mm. video views, brand awareness, maybe even traffic campaign objectives. And it was so stark. And we did this on two separate occasions for two separate customers. And I know you can say that Meta and Google and everyone else has their own agenda, but the point is like, even if you listen to half of it, especially on the Meta side and what we're talking about here, you are going to see a moving of the needle because everybody is in your market. You are competitive against everybody else. And 
you're competing in those 50, 60, $100 CPM markets in the conversion space, you got to zig when everybody else is zagging, which means you have to create your own demand, especially if you have something that requires a little bit of education, whether it's gum right. or whether it's Schlitz beer or whether it's an iPhone case with a poppy thing in the back, which I don't have on my iPhone, or that's better than everybody else that nobody's talking about. Like you can make your market at these very top of funnel educational style, in most cases, video ads that then create the demand so that when you look at your conversion, they might say, oh man, I'm paying so much for a lead. Well, don't look at your cost per lead. Just like when we did our, our Mike Morse case study here on the 315 cases, like we didn't care about what our lead cost was. We didn't care about what our, how many phone call cost was. What we cared about is the thing that actually mattered, hmm. which is the signed cases. And that's the thing that you have to start looking at in your data is don't look at the vanity metrics. Look at the things that actually really matter. Look at like for your case, higher close ratio. People are coming yeah. in like ready, willing, and able to, to take the next step with you all because they've been indoctrinated with three hours of content. Doesn't it make sense? If you hit somebody up and say, hey, this is Gazza Maslow. I got the greatest ad Google ad agency on the planet. Click now to talk with one of our specialists. Like... They're going to get on the phone with one of your specialists and be like, who the hell are you guys? Yeah. yeah. And then you're going to be chasing them and chasing them. This is not a chase strategy. This is a true inbound strategy. And I think it's the best kept secret or maybe the dirtiest little secret in conversion marketing and advertising right now. You know why I'm not afraid to let the cat out of the bag here? Because I know most people won't do this. True. None of my competitors are going to do it. Nobody's going to take $100,000 and go throw it at their YouTube videos. Because there's nope. just, it's just such a hard sell. But when you do it, it works. So to the, to the listener, most folks aren't going to try to tackle this. But if you do, I think you own your industry in a year. Yeah. The reason why I asked you that question to start off is if you look at your customers, not you, but if you look at your customer ad accounts, like I know for a fact, like we are probably... 70, 80% conversion ads, conversion yeah, well, that's objective. Because the customers demand it, right? Because like, they demand it. It's the yeah. bold business that actually looks at this differently. And you do have to spend, you didn't start off spending $150,000 a month, but you had a pretty good idea. You started, you ramped it up slowly, mm -hmm. or maybe you did start with 150. No, we actually asked 10. you. <laughs> 10. We started with 10 grand you a month on YouTube ads. And, and you know like, what's really funny hmm. about it is it was a semi-accident. We didn't have the ads and we had a couple of training videos that we thought would, they were ad-ish. I was like getting started and whatever. And, and then John, just being the mad scientist that he is, just went insane. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is working. That's what's cool about John is the guy, he's brave. I don't know that I would have jumped off that cliff with both feet the way that he did, but it, man, gosh, did it work. He just had a sixth sense for those things. It makes sense logically. It really does. It's just hard and it's, you, you have to be bold and I think you have to be brave to execute it. Because you're going to spend 10 grand a month. Like I know there's customers at tier 11 are like 10 grand a month on ads that aren't conversion ads. Are you kidding me? Right. Why don't we just try it? Because this is actually like the future of your business. If you really do want to achieve your vision as a business, you need to get out of the rat race in the conversion ad space. I'm a huge believer in that. Now, conversion ads absolutely have their place. Like we know that we're going to continue with our conversion ads for retargeting. Right? That, like you said, there's, what was it? less than two, 3% of your spend is probably on conversion ads for retargeting. You're still going to have to scoop up 
all those people who are going to go to Google, search your name, maybe find you on Facebook. If they found your, your first video and now you're retargeting them for a percentage of video views, like you have to have those in the funnel, but they're a very small spend. They're not in your fairness. Big here's what I will say, just so I don't get called to the table on this. The 150 some odd thousand we're spending in YouTube includes a massive remarketing element because we don't limit show rates. So within that, one person could be delivered many ads to the tune mm -hmm. of dozens. Yeah. Even though that's not technically remarketing, it's still, what would you say, like content saturation or permeation or, or in some instances, it can be considered remarketing, especially if you're using YouTube sequences, but sure. it's not standalone, just remarketing. It's, okay. hey, Google, you know who's going to engage with this. You know what our conversion action goal is. Go put ads in front of them. Which I think is an important element to it. And it's also building video view audiences of people that have watched one video to go and watch other videos. I think it's like, in essence, we're talking about the same thing here. You're remarketing, right. not necessarily for a conversion. You're remarketing to get them to consume your content because the more of it that they consume, provided it's good. Right. Like in your case, John produces really good content. So I think there is an element of you actually have to produce something that's worthwhile and not total crap. So let's just get that out there. Oh, I listened to an episode, whatever this is, and Ralph and Cossum said, go do top of funnel content. And I spent $150,000 and I got no conversions. First off, you're probably not going to see the conversions because it's going to be buried in your myrrh. But you kind of have to have useful content that's related to what it is that you're doing. You actually have to be good at this stuff. Yeah. So the, uh, you we can probably do a whole show it, on that. I look at it as moving from retail buying to wholesale buying. If you're at the bottom of the funnel, you're buying all of your customers on the retail market, right? Comes to you basically, Google or Facebook or whoever, and says, hey, I have a fully built customer here. They have the, their problem aware, their solution aware, their wallet's out, they've gone through uh, awareness, consideration, evaluation, intent, whatever, and they're ready to rock. And so now we put this customer up on the auction block and we're all bidding for that customer, quite literally in the Google sense. That's retail. And you're going to pay retail because somebody else did the work of nurturing this customer, educating the customer, etc. This is just moving to a wholesale environment to where you're now buying the raw materials for a customer and then doing the things that are necessary to equip those raw materials to ultimately be the right customer for you. Not all of them make it from the top of the funnel down to the bottom of the funnel. That's why the funnel tapers. Yep. But enough of them make it to increase the efficiency of your ad spend by a pretty significant degree if you're willing to spend enough to fill the funnel enough to make sure that people actually make it to the bottom and you have patience. So this is just wholesale buying. Yeah. It is. And it really, like your, we didn't talk about your YouTube spend versus like your convert. If you had conversion ads running, like what the CPMs are, I would imagine for these types of campaigns, it's exceedingly low. I look at that as wholesale less versus. Less than 20 cents to have somebody, and that's an engaged view, less than 20. I mean, that's the question. Would you pay 20 cents to have somebody who's interested in Google ads learn about Google ads from you? From you. If you're a Google Ads agency, you know, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Yeah. But if I'm a conversion minded business who's watching every penny and I need sales, I need 15 sales a day, Cossum, to right. make sure that I can pay the payroll and meet my suppliers. Like I can't be spending all this money on these, these ads 
you guys are doing that just get my brand out there and learn about what it is that I have. It doesn't make any sense. But it, for that business, it doesn't. The businesses that are paycheck to paycheck, those are tough businesses to be in. I don't take them as customers. I, and I have people come to me all the time like, all right, we've got 90 days worth of spend and then we're done. And I'm like, okay, God bless you and good luck. And please luck. don't give me that money because I don't want that responsibility because the campaigns could fail. So you do need a little bit. And I, I believe that just for business in general, I think you need some margin. And I think until you have it, pound the pavement, do the things that are organic, stay lean and build that margin up so you can afford to do some experimentation and long-term investing in your business and you can have a bad month and a competitor can come in and start spending more money and not ruin your space, your ecosystem. We mentioned earlier that as the market gets more efficient, ROAS drops. If you need a 3X ROAS in a new market and you're getting it, it's a, I, I think you're 18 months away from a 2.5. Because if you've been able to establish a 3X market or a 3X ROAS in any market, that means that market has room for more competition. And as the competition enters the market, then the ROAS drops. And so you should always be operating off of the assumption that things are going to get more efficient, which is going to decrease your bottom line. And we need to go do other things. And those other things, quote unquote, in this instance, happen to be top of the funnel marketing. We have a customer who we recently met with and they had a 30 plus million dollar business. Five, six years ago, we ran their ads. It was easy. They were brand new to the market. Nobody else had their stuff. Their stuff was absolutely amazing. It was like the cure for cancer in the auto space. I'm mm. not going to say what the name of the company was. It was a great, great business. And then all of a sudden, everybody figured it out. Yep. And they had one competitor, two, three, four, five, six. Now the market is flooded with competition. And back in the 3X ROAS days on Facebook only, that was great. If they can break even on their ads right now, but get a customer at break even right. with our fee included and then figure out, all right, how am I going to fully monetize this so that they become high value in a lifetime value situation? That's ultimately how you win. You can't do that if you're living paycheck to paycheck. If you need 11 sales a day to keep the company afloat, I'm sorry, it's just not possible. You need a better way. And this is, I think, what business owners they tend to forget about this. You need some reserve. This is mm -hmm. not a traffic. This is not a marketing discussion anymore. Like you need, Andy Grove said, you should have six months of runway, at the very least for your costs. Like most people will say three months. He says six months. I always say nine months a to year. a year. Yep. <laughs> a year actually makes me a little bit less concerned. Like we have that to be able to, in case things don't work out well. But as a business owner, like you need to be able to, especially if you're going into a highly competitive space like this customer right now. So if they're paycheck to paycheck, I don't know as if that's necessarily a business. That's a business that's teetering on the edge. That's a and Hail Mary. That's a Hail Mary. And you should have some level of cash reserve in order to acquire that customer because it is dirty out there. And you mm. should have the ability to do the strategy that we're talking about here because that is an investment today into future sales and not only just brand building and all the other sorts of things that go along with it, but it's a way for you to differentiate in the market because no one is doing it. Couldn't Everyone's going for the quick sale. That's all they're doing. And for some reason, I can't really snap today, but that's okay. There you, for you. you can snap. Thank you.
All right. Well, that is our number one dirty little secret in direct response advertising here. It has nothing to do with conversions. We'd love to know what you think. Certainly leave a comment or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's on Spotify, whether that's over on you know where all the podcasts are. Wherever you listen, we're pretty much there. So subscribe and leave a rating, but also we'd love the comments as well. Tell us what we can do better. This was actually an outgrowth of one of the comments that we got just recently over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Tell us what you think. If you think we suck, think we're good, stuff that you want to hear, we read all of it. Unfortunately, this is the kind of thing where we do these podcasts and we put them out into the world and this is the feedback that we get typically through stuff like this and through reviews. So definitely go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me over on LinkedIn. We're very active on LinkedIn. And Kasim, he's got an awesome Twitter over at Kasim Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And like I said, all the resources and show notes are over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 